When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online. We would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com/lhrbook. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, November 27th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Thankful to everyone joining us here on Thanksgiving weekend 2016, a whole lot more to be thankful for. I'm thankful just to be breathing still, but even within the realms of Celtics and NBA basketball, there's a lot to be thankful for, even even coming off a loss, which, which tops it all. But we'll get to that today. We'll get to a lot today. we got 60 minutes here, per usual, on this broadcast. Boston had a busy week. Celtics beat has a busy week. We're going to be speaking to Keith Smith. Many know Keith for his work at Real GM. But just prior to the season, Keith is also now publishing much of his material for SB Nation's Celtics blog. So we'll be talking to Keith about the week that was. You know, Jay Crowder, he had some interesting remarks. I'm sure many saw Saturday morning upon them waking, or even Friday evening afternoon when they uh, came out. But were they as interesting as they appeared on face value when you read them? Did you read or did you listen or watch Jay make those marks because there's a pretty significant difference in the context when you actually hear from Jay directly. And you will hear, provided by CLNS's YouTube channel, as we have the complete audio from the locker room, thanks to CLNS Radio. YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. Thank you, Jared Weiss, and your production team for all the raw and uncut videos in the locker room and press table after every home game. Such as Jay Crowder on Friday. Controversy, schmontroversy. Also, we got Ryan Bernardoni of ESPN's True Hoop blog, Celtics Hub. Many in the Celtics internet community and social media, they are very familiar with Ryan's work and they follow Ryan's Danger Cart Twitter handle, his presence in the Celtics Reddit still. Ryan recently uh, posted a piece on Celtics Hub. Uh, pinpointing potential trade targets for the Celts. And, and if you haven't read the piece, which I strongly suggest you do, because they they are not the names that one would generally assume that you would see in a Celtics trade target column. Ryan will tell you why, especially with Boston's strategy and how it pertains to the salary cap. So Ryan, he's going to join us here later in the broadcast to go along with the aforementioned Keith Smith. Audio of Jay Crowder's comments in the locker room following Friday's loss to the Spurs. And what to be thankful for. Celtics-related, of course. Coming up on episode number 185 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being presented by Audible. Go to audible.com for an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. And to get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial period, go to audible.com slash try now. Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat for three free meals with free shipping on your first order. And, of course, movement watches. MBMT watches 
com slash Celticsbeat for 15% off and free shipping and free returns. And that reminds me, Movement is, they are taking a part in our latest contest for our ticket ways for December, but we got to announce our winner for Wednesday's tickets against Detroit. So, you know, I'll, I'll get to that later in the show, I promise. Hang tight. Let's go right to Jay Crowder. Uh, so Jay returned last Saturday night in Detroit in that great win in Motown. He did not play very well that night, did not look good at all. He looked better in Minnesota, but then in his, in his words, he said his ankle locked up. Is that the final 16 minutes out of that game? And at that point, I was kind of saying, you know, geez, you know, if there's any sort of pain, sit it out till you're a million percent, all lower body injuries, the game plan is... If you try and you play through them, it just compensates how you run, how you land on your feet, and that's only going to greatly increase the percentage of other energies. But he's giving it a go. He goes into Wednesday's game questionable. His game-time decision against the Nets was on a minutes restriction. Plays much, much better, particularly in that second half. Then Friday afternoon against San Antonio, a very productive game as well. And after the game, like I said, if you read what he said, you'd be like, oh, but We're going to play the audio here where he's been laughing, legitimately tells the full story, and it's just far different. Believe me, uh, you know, to once again pimp the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS radio, because it's worth it with that. Jared, Jared Weiss, CLNS Celtics locker room reporter, and his production team, Jeremy Carf, Kyle George. If if you read something, something, you know, said quotes, God forbid, they may get taken out of context in the effort to drive clicks. But Jared, Jeremy, Kyle, they provide... Raw and uncut, no snippets, full videos and high definition. So we got the clip. We'll play what Jay said. And I'll also let it roll a bit because he was very honest about the condition of his ankle. There were no cliches there, the progress that his ankle's been making. And also, too, how the Celts are managing it. So uh, let's get it, shall we? I got it set up here. Clip 22, roll it. Jay Crowder from the Celtics locker room back on Friday. What are they trying to keep you at? Around 20, 20 to 25. I think I played a little over tonight because uh, I got a little frustrated with it. <laughs> getting, on, getting on the bike, is that to keep the ankle? Keep the blood flowing on the ankle because, like the Minnesota game, I couldn't go back into the game because it just locked up on me. I was just sitting on the bench. and um, I just want to do something differently now uh, because I do feel like it's gradually getting better. But that's part of that, 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 that time when I'm off the court is just – I gotta do something to keep it going, keep the blood flowing because it feels good when I'm coming off. So that's just one thing that I'm probably gonna do for a little while now. Has there been any consideration to keeping you out? To Excuse get me? That back to, has there been any consideration to keeping you out to get that back to full strength, or is there no? Oh yeah, for sure it has been. It's come across in my mind. We've talked about it with the training staff, and if I probably have one more game like I did in Minnesota, where I can't, Minnesota where I can't, couldn't go back into the game. I think it it caused me to sit sit a few, uh, but if I keep gradually progressing like I am right now in the past few games, I'll be fine. All right, once again, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. One more shout-out to CLNS and Celtics Blog's Jared Weiss, and now also of Celtics Blog. Just joined there as a contributor prior to the season. Real GM's Keith Smith. Keith, happy to have you here. Um, you just heard Jay there. Not going to talk about how he's being managed. That's a story for another day, but, re- but really should – should start off with this real quick before we get into so many other things that transpired over the week and even and, uh, Friday's game. But, but I guess I should start and make it fairly quick and simple. I mean, really, how do you think Crowder has looked this week and progressed since his return eight days ago in Detroit? I think he's coming around. The game against the Spurs was the best he has looked, yet he was finally moving like himself on the court. I had noticed in the first few games he was having trouble getting side to side. It wasn't moving as well defensively, but 
yesterday he did a really good job. He got right in front of Ginobili, took that one right on the chin uh, in the first half, I believe that was. It really looked pretty solid. He did a good job on Kawhi Leonard early on in the game. And offensively, he took it to the basket a few times, whereas the first few games back, he was almost a standstill shooter, which isn't really his game. So I think he's coming around, getting back to the normal Jay Crowder we like to see. Al Horford has looked okay since his return. And that was almost immediate. Far different than, say, Crowder, who, who did not look very well against Detroit. Uh, did, I think, checked out of a game against Minnesota. Slowly, I referenced this earlier in the opening, slowly started to get better against Brooklyn in a questionable decision. But Al Horford, right away, bing, bang, boom. I want you to go to that because you have been talking about Al ad nauseum on Celtics blog the last eight days. Yeah, he is just such a perfect fit for what this team wants. Brad Stevens ideally wants big men who can handle the ball a little and really pass it. And Horford obviously fits that. I knew he had a very high basketball IQ and could do a lot of things on the floor. But it wasn't until watching him night in and night out that you really get to see it and really become to appreciate just how smart of a basketball player he is. And I think his defense has been better than it was at least in the last year or so in Atlanta, which is big. I think he's taken on that role of I'm going to anchor the back line of the defense and make some plays. He made a couple big plays against the Spurs, blocked Aldridge, unfortunately went right back to Aldridge, and he finished with a layup. Then, of course, that big block in his first game back to to win the game against Aaron Baines. So Horford's just looking really, really solid. Just, again, perfect fit for what the Celtics want out of a big. He'd look that much better with a real rim protector next to him, but that's that's a story for another day. That is a story for another day, though. But I, I'll say this before we talk about Horford, because he's so good that it's almost leading to bad things. But he is quickly becoming one of my favorite Celtics. Of course, I didn't see many great Celtics teams outside of the Garnett years. Uh, but I remember, you know, Kristen Ledlow over the summer, comes to me and says, I've got to do Celtics beat. I've got to talk about Al Horford. I think this was in like mid-August. Like, all right, you're the floor and Al Horford. And, you know, you hear all the cliche things. What a great guy. So fundamentally sound. It, you're, you're just like, you sort of hit the nail on the head. You got to watch him on a night-in and night-out basis to really appreciate what he does. And not even watch him. Just follow the team, all the ins and outs on the team. Follow the practices and whatever. Because, like, like I said, you're just going to keep rambling on with cliches of just about how fundamentally sound he is. But being able to watch him night in, night out, like a, one of my favorite Celtics, particularly, I would say, one of my favorites since uh, the Garnett years. But one thing about this, too, about Al, uh, the starting lineup when he's in there, it's been great. The small ball unit, which effectively replaces uh, Amir Johnson with Marcus Smart. Those are both top lineups in the league right off the top of my head. Horford's value, it's just, it's immeasurable at this point. You saw it when he was injured. The team was struggling. It's immeasurable. Look at the plus-minus numbers when he's on and off the cart. That tells a story. But you you talked about the second unit a lot in your read and reacts on Celtics blogs after the Pistons game. How do the Celts fix this second unit? It's what changed the game against the Spurs on, on, on Friday. How do they fix it without a trade? Let's just get trades out of there. And uh, another thing also, how do they, another one that you can't use is they can't play whore for more. So those two things. So I think one big thing is they cannot go to any more five reserve lineups at the same time. It just doesn't work. <clears throat> I think we've seen Brad Stevens change that 
recently he's trying to make sure he has a starter. Right, the Nets the game, court. he brought in Isaiah. I noticed that and interrupt you. He brought in Isaiah Thomas. He kept or kept in Isaiah Thomas at the turn of the quarters. Uh, just to yeah. give some offensive punch, it held serve for a little bit, but then the Nets still they went on that twenty-one to six run. But you are the, the five-man reserve units have been hurting. But once again, I interrupt you. Finish your thought. No, that's okay. It's I will say too, he's doing something fun with Horford that a lot of coaches don't do in the first and third quarters. He'll he'll take him out somewhat early, right around that six-minute mark. But then he comes back with him after the under three timeout, which a lot of coaches, once a player's out in the first or third quarter, they're out except for maybe an end of quarter play or something like that. But I think that is giving them that, that little bit more balance. The big challenge is Terry Rozier, for all the things he does really well, is not a ball handler that's going to run the second unit. He is just he's atrocious in pick and roll. Right now, he doesn't make good decisions. And a lot of times what I noticed, especially in the Spurs game, was the ball sticks with that second unit group. It's too much dribbling, whether it be Rozier or Jalen Brown. Occasionally that happens with Marcus Smart when he's out there running things. The ball just ends up in one place where the starters, they've got it whipping around the court, a lot of cuts, a lot of passes. There's not a lot of dribbling going on. So that's one thing that they've got to get figured out. I think they've got pieces that can do some nice things. And I think when Kelly Olenek's confidence gets back up, he'll be a much better <laughs> fan. I, I, I would do – Keith, Keith, before you go, switch when with if. That, yeah, I would yeah, say – that, yeah. I, and you're right too. We should, we should kind of switch to Kelly because he is kind of the key guy with the second unit. He's the only one with, the, with a really a valuable offensive skill and there's no question. The ball movement when, the set, when there are bench-dominant lineups – uh, is is not good. In fact, it's only good when Al Horford's on the court. Al Horford's making almost every Marcus Smart on Friday looked like freaking John Stockton uh, running yeah. pick and rolls with Al Horford. Terry Rozier, who you referenced, you're right, dribbles way too much. And you've talked about that in articles I read on Celtics blog. Right? Dribbles way too much. But he's looked good and he's made some shots when Horford's on the court. I would love to see Rozier's numbers. I you know should have done a little research, a little more research before we got on with. Uh, Rogier and Horford on the court. And I go back really to the Minnesota game where they really worked well together. But Olenek is really the key piece here that if they were going to fix the second unit internally, which you really have to hope that they do because every time they lose a game, that just jumps right out at you. It, even, it jumped out of me after the Nets game. Uh, even, you know, they blew the Nets away, but the second quarter, so they, lucky the Nets were that terrible. But Olenek is really that guy that if you can – have a shooter that can convert most of his shots and his confidence I think is hindering the rest of his game for whatever reason when his shot isn't going he doesn't do anything when his shot's going all of a sudden he passes a little bit more much better that'll help obviously with the second unit but I think Rogier, and this is just a prediction to my end could develop an Evan Turner like chemistry with Kelly Olynyk if Kelly Olynyk not win if Kelly Olenek gets his confidence back and becomes a good, a positive uh, force for the second unit now, what say you, Keith? Yeah, I find myself with Olenek <clears throat> looking at him, and if he is wide open at the top of the key, which he tends to be a lot, and he doesn't shoot, <clears throat> I find myself saying, just get off the court. There's there's no point for you to be out there. That's probably your best skill is you know functioning as a, a stretch five for that second unit grouping. And... I, one of the things that I've noticed with Olenek a lot of times is, too, they can get him a, a dunk somehow early in the game. It just seems like everything changes with this whole game. 
And it's like you said, then he's he's passing, he's handling the ball, he's rebounding, he's even defending a little bit better. But when he's just kind of floating around the perimeter and he's just hanging out out there, it just becomes one of those where it's you might as well not even be out there. And that's you've even seen it when Brad Stevens has had to go to Tyler Zeller for short minutes. It happened in the Spurs game. He was getting eaten up by David Lee, of all people, and he had to turn to Zeller for the last couple minutes of the third quarter just to try to contain Lee because it went just didn't have it. It wasn't, wasn't really doing much. And I will say one other thing with Rozier that I want to point out is one big criticism for me of him is he hasn't developed his left hand at all. He won't go to his left. He will do it for a dribble or two, but then immediately comes back to his right. And anytime he goes to the basket to finish, it's almost always with his right hand. And he's bringing it back, and it's just making him that much easier for teams to defend. It's very easy when he gets that sideline pick and roll that teams are trapping it and getting out of his hands very early. Or he just is kind of standing there dribbling and not running it again because he will not come back to that left hand. So that's something he's going to have to pick up on if he's going to be the player Boston hopes to have off the bench. Second-year guy, though, that I'm not going to get too critical for. I think uh, Horford has shown that if there's a shooter, if there's someone who can even roll to the basket, if there's a big man that can pass – that, I think, has just been a big, big help for Rogier or really anyone else on the bench. Uh, so this really just becomes down to, like I said, if Kelly Olynyk can just get back to the Kelly Olynyk that he was last January and February. I say if, not when. I actually got to throw this out to you, and we're here with Keith Smith of Real GM. While you were talking, I, I rushed to stats on NBA and, and because I was talking about Rogier's numbers uh, with with uh, Horford. But it's this is, I think, telltale because I did this real quick, uh, Keith. And this just goes to show you just how much the bench has, has been a problem and why the Celtics, as we sit here on this Thanksgiving Sunday, 9-7, and seven, for, for as good as they look at times, as good as the starters look at times, the second quarters, when the bench has been coming in, when Stevens has, God forbid, gone to these five-man units of all reserves, and that a lot of times is, has been putting the Celtics starters on the defensive when they come back into the game, all momentum's on the other team. This is, this is just mind-boggling to me. And I'll, you can react to this in some way, which, but it's pretty much been what we've been talking about. Celtics in second quarters, minus 2.6 point differential, 28th in the NBA, 23.2 points per second quarter, 27th, 95.2 offensive rating, 25th, minus 8.8 net rating, 25th, 24th in pace, 47.9%, excuse me, effective field goal percentage, 22nd, 15.9 turnover ratio, 22nd. Rebounding, huh, this is an obvious one, right? 45.5% rebounding rate, dead last in the NBA. I don't know. I actually actually don't really know where to uh, really where to begin. It just sort of just goes back to the Celtics need to get where we want them to be, top of the Eastern Conference, competing in the Eastern Conference. I think this is now the number one issue on the team, even more so than rebounding. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's definitely true. It's, it's like a it's handicap different. match in pro wrestling. Right, it's like two on one. When you bring, you get the starters, you have to hope that they get up fifteen, like they did on Friday against the Spurs. Because, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I interrupt you. Again. No, it does. It feels that way. It's it's the challenge for me is exactly what you said. We want them to be a good team. We want them to be right there, competitive with the Cavs, or if the Cavs falter at all, or injuries strike, or anything, to be that team to step in. And they're just not going to be with that poor production off that second unit. And it's one of those things where I know we've talked about this a lot through Twitter and people I think are starting to pick up on it. This seems not as deep as people thought they were. 
you know, you would when coming into the season, it made people made it out like they had two full starting units on the bench, and then you know some guys. And what I think also hurts it is lack of development from some of those back end first round picks and some of the mid range guys. So James Young has never developed the way we hoped. Jordan Mickey, for all that he's flashed, he's never come come along. And then R.J. Hunter, not no longer even on the team. So I think that has hurt them with that lack of development behind the starters. Those guys have either not developed into productive players for Boston or developed enough to be productive trade chips to go out and get something better. And that that's going to be something that we're just going to have to monitor as the rest of the season goes along and hopefully can improve. And I think you're going to see Brad Stevens. I think those five man reserve lineups are done in the, unless it's, you know, blowout games and they'll just run with the guys that they have now and spot a starter or two in there around them. One thing I'd like to see them do with Rozier is I'd like to see him get a little more run with the starters occasionally and play off the ball some because I think when he's off the ball, he tends to look really solid and can do a lot of good things. So there, there's some options going forward, and we'll see what happens. They're going to run with the three guards a lot, and it's, it's I think because they can because the guards are the best defenders on the team. The guards are sadly the best rebounders on the team. But what about this recent emergence? You, know, you talk about the, the players developing on the team. I'd actually say that there's been good front-end development, and – Marcus Smart the last few games. Now, like I said, granted, it's been with Al Horford, and Al Horford's made almost everybody, like I just said, look like John Stockton recently, running pick and rolls and pick and pops. He's the, the best screen setter in the uh, one of the best screen setters in the NBA. I can't. I don't want to get called out for that statement. But do, what about the recent emergence of Marcus Smart's playmaking? He had the ball uh, in his hands at the end of the game on Friday against the Spurs. Could that be at all benefit? <laughs> this is I, that's the obvious way to start a question, but. How beneficial could that be to the second unit if he legitimately can be that playmaker and you get that allows you to play Rogier a little bit more off the ball? Go ahead, because you do it without Horford on the court. I want you to take the floor from me here before I keep rambling. Yeah, that's that's what we want to see, right? Is smart. He's supposed to be a point guard. And he's turned into this almost a version of Tony Allen. That's a shooting guard who will fight and battle and scrap with guys much bigger than him and get to the basket occasionally. So it's been good to see one thing. He's probably his most improved skill since he's come in the NBA is his passing out of the pick and roll. He is now finding cutters. He's doing a good job finding the roll man at the right time with the right pass. He had a really nice one to Horford in the game against the Spurs that led to a basket. He's had a couple of those. Those two seem to be developing pretty good chemistry as, you know, I think, think a running theme of our little chat here is Horford's easy to play with for everybody. So it's, I think for Smart, if he can take that over and put Rozier more into an off-the-ball game, let Rozier function as almost the Avery Bradley of the second unit, now I think he might have something. So that's something I hope Brad Stevens goes to is putting the ball in Smart's hands. I think the one worry is Smart almost plays starters minutes because he does play in those small ball lineups, and you don't want to wear him down by asking him to do too much when he's out there with the reserve unit. But he should be able to help carry it a little bit more than he has been to date. Real quick on Jalen Brown, you mentioned in an article you wrote over the uh, over over the course of the week. I think it might have been after the Nets game and the Read and React on Celtics blog. You talked about how it could be a double-edged sword in that you sit him, you don't get to develop him, but if you play him, then you run. You certainly run the risk of losing games. He's really only had a really one positive game thus far in his career. That was in a blowout loss against Cleveland. I, I got to kind of get you on that one, Keith, because. Avery Bradley, in his first year with the Celtics in the 2011 team, he didn't play at all. Uh, he played a handful of relevant relevant minutes at best. So if the team's having good practices, which under Brad Stevens, let's uh, operate under the assumption we are. I mean, is that something that really we can 
fair to say that if Jalen Brown is really only given spot minutes at best here and there, that's really going to hinder his development. And if you want to have any other real general takes on Jalen Brown before we wrap it up. Yeah, I will say that was more directed at the folks who every time the team loses a game, they complain that Brown only played X amount of minutes. And every time they win a game, they complain Brown only played X amount of minutes. It's for me, I'm exactly where you are, is I think development, especially for a rookie, especially for a rookie as young as Jalen Brown is, comes more in practice than it does in games. And we're not there day in and day out with the team in practice. We don't see how his work habits are, what he's doing, what he's even being asked to do. So that's going to be the big thing there is he'll come along there. But the challenge is, let's use that Nets game as an example. When he was in there, he was awful. And they pulled him fairly quickly, and the team got back on track, and they went on to win going away, more or less. The fan comments after the game, and I you know, spent a lot of time on both Celtics blog and Real GM, immediately went to, why did Jalen Brown only play? I think he only played four minutes in that game, or maybe seven minutes, something like that. And it was... He needs to be playing more. Well, had he played more, they might have lost to the Nets, which at this point is about the biggest disaster the Celtics can have since those games all count almost twice in the standings. So it becomes a challenge of my question to a lot of the fan base is, do you want Jalen Brown to play 25 minutes a night and you're okay with throwing away a win or two because of it? Because that's probably what's going to happen. Or do you want to win games? I think the realistic thing is exactly what you said. Brown's going to have to develop in practice. This team didn't sign Al Horford to continue the development process. They signed him to win and to win now. Brown's probably not ready to be a part of that at this point, so he's just going to have to come along at his own pace. Big thing I like now that they're back fully healthy is when he's out there, just be aggressive. Be the guy we saw in summer league, the guy we saw in preseason. Get up into players on the defensive end. If you pick up some fouls, so what? It's not the end of the world. Probably not going to play that much anyway. And put the ball on the floor and go to the basket repeatedly. He's been a little bit tentative since the regular season started. I think some of that was they were relying on him for more minutes than he was ready for while Jay Crowder was out. So that's the big things I want to see is just get after it and, and hit it hard. Do your thing in the limited amount of minutes you get, and let's go from there. Keith Smith, welcome to Celtics Beat, where it sometimes gets just a little too glass half empty coming off a loss because it was a very productive week for the Celtics, 2-1, and one, even if you even want to tack on that Detroit game. and It started the road trip beginning of the week, but it was, God forbid, one loss to the Spurs, which I tweeted out yesterday. I was actually fairly impressed with the team. They lost the game. Basically, well, everything else, the reasons they lost the game. Bench play and rebounding. 9-7, and seven, plus .6 point differential. That's pretty much in and around what a 9-7 and seven team is at this point of the season. Real quick to get you out of here, give me a quick outlook on the week. They got the plus .6 point differential, but hopefully that should change. They do have some cupcakes coming up. Real quick on this, you can even throw me a prediction at you if you want. At Miami, Monday, they're not doing playing too well. Detroit at home, that could be a little tricky in terms of uh, Detroit's size advantage. That's at home on a Wednesday. Sacramento at home on a Friday. Philadelphia on a back-to-back, but it is Philadelphia. Keith Smith to get you out of here. Real quick outlook on the week. Yeah, it should be a minimum of 3-1, and one, if not 4-0. It's just even the Detroit game, that's the toughest one of the bunch. Miami's a little scrappy because they do defend fairly well. Night in and night out, Hassan Whiteside probably go for you know 15 points at least and somewhere north of 15 rebounds. But as long as they contain the rest of the team, they should be fine. Detroit, they already handled them once. 
So hopefully they can get that done. And then Sacramento's just there starting to look like they're going to be the Kings again. And then Philadelphia. So it's time for the Celtics to really start start winning. I know that they've got a handful of road games coming up here throughout the month of December. So it's going to be really important that with the few home games that they have early on in December, that they do take care of business at home. So I, I think I think we're going to start seeing them turn the corner. I'm not going to jump off the 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 roof or the bridge or whatever you want to call it. Don't do that anyways. Don't do that. No, absolutely. No one should, but it's a loss to the Spurs. The Spurs are still one of the best teams in the NBA. It's not the end of the world. You know, they'll be fine and they were competitive in the game and you know, eventually I have faith that this team will turn the corner and they'll start winning some of those games versus just being competitive. The expectations, that's good. They're higher now. You get a little ticked off. They lost the Spurs. Like I said, yeah, they, yeah. They, like, they, they lost the Spurs, but they lost because of what's been hindering the team thus far this year. But Real GM's Keith Smith. Follow Keith on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. Keith, bringing the fastball on your maiden voyage here on Celtics Beat. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Happy to come back whenever you ask. Pleasure, Keith. Okay, stay tuned. Got to take a very quick commercial break, and I mean very brief. Stay tuned. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Today's episode is being powered by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron has become the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. With December upon us, it's now the holiday season and Blue Apron makes the perfect holiday gift. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook together three times more often. This creates strong family bonds and actually saves money. Those who spend a lot at restaurants know it's super expensive. High-end grocery chains, fast food restaurants, buying for the whole family can become absorbent. With Blue Apron, you can spend under $10 per meal. In December, my personal menu will include braised cabbage with barley and glazed apples, Thai green coconut curry with sweet potato and jasmine rice, brown butter and chestnut gnocchi with Brussels sprouts, and pea shoot salad. And all that for just $10 per meal. Sound amazing? Well, today we are offering CLNS Radio listeners three free meals and free shipping. There's no risk involved, and you will love how good it feels and tastes to create home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Treat yourself or a loved one this holiday season to Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Go to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat to redeem your three free meals and free shipping today. Welcome back into Celtics Beat. Larry A. Trussell here. But before we get to our next guest, one Ryan Bernardoni, I want to fulfill a, a promise from earlier in the show. First off, I want to thank everyone who participated. But it is time to announce our winner for the ticket giveaway here for the month of November. Two tickets to see the Celtics take on the Detroit Pistons this coming Wednesday, November 30th, last day of the month. And our winner is Rick Nudis. Rick Thank you for your support. Congratulations. Enjoy Wednesday's game. Uh, next time, the Celts will be back at home following tomorrow night's game down in South Beach. Of course, we're going to have the pregame show here on CLNS Radio. Tomorrow's show, actually, on Celtics pregame. Tomorrow's show will feature Ethan Skolnick, senior NBA writer for CBS Sports. Ethan, very familiar guest and voice here on CLNS Radio. He's Ethan has been covering the NBA for many, many years, particularly the Heat. 
Pre-game reports, they are available on the Celtics News Feed channel. Search Celtics News Feed on iTunes and Stitcher for the pregame show. Recaps after the game, instant analysis, news notes, and more. That's Celtics News Feed with Celtics pregame with yours truly before the game against Miami featuring Ethan Skolnick. Celtics trying to get back on track for Mr. Nudis, hoping to carry a win into Wednesday against Detroit. Have a great opportunity against a struggling Heat team tomorrow down in South Beach. Next ticket giveaway for December up. This is a good one. Two days after Christmas, we've already been talking about it, but two days after Christmas, the Memphis Grizzlies are in town. So we're giving away two tickets to see the Celts and Grizz at the TD Garden. Enter by purchasing a movement watch using our promo code, mvmtwatches.com slash Celticspeed. Email me the receipt and you are in. So I should use actually this time. It makes a lot of sense. Use this time to give movement a shout out, especially now with the holiday season shopping here. With MVMT, you can skip the crowds and standing in crazy lines at the mall and find a gift they'll love and beat those absurd prices at the department stores. Movement watches start at just $95 at an apartment store. You're looking at like four to 500 bucks. Movement figured out by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing the best possible price for their customers. Classic design, quality construction, and styled minimalism get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmtwatches.com slash Celticspeed. This watch has a really clean design. Seriously, I've been getting compliments left right ever since I put it on, and I got a bunch for the CLNS staff for the holidays. And now is the time to step up your watch game. Go to mbmtwatches.com slash Celticsbeat. Join the movement and get free entry to win a pair of Celtics tickets. Talk about a win-win. But um, real quick, too, on programming, uh, because it should be fair, because I mentioned the pregame show for tomorrow's game against the Heat on Celtics Newsfeed. So I want to bang out some real quick programming notes for the CLNS Radio mobile app. Of course, 9 a.m. tomorrow, Celtics Stuff Live. Pre-game report on Celtics Newsfeed. That's around noon, of course. Post-game show after the game against the Heat. Stream it live on clnsradio.com. Listen on demand on the mobile app. Call in if you wish. 347-215-7771. 347-215-7771. After the Celtics game in Miami. Celtics have had some days off. So you'd like to think, you hope that's going to be a win. Miami has just not looked good, as, as Keith talked about. He's... He watches them a lot. But that's tomorrow. We've still got plenty of time left here. So let's welcome in uh, Ryan Bernardoni. Ryan, well noted throughout the Celtics internet realms, now providing his work for Celtics Hub. So Ryan, goes without saying, glad to have you here. Uh, thank you for having me, and uh, I hope you had a, a great holiday as well. I'm a big fan of the show and happy to be here on a CLNS radio. <laughs> that's true, that's Ryan. But, uh, you know, actually, I want to get right into this because I'm not sure if you heard me. I just spent almost half the show there with Keith Smith of Real GM getting antsy over a loss to the Spurs. You know, God forbid, Boston losing game, losing game to them. But, uh, you know, there were a lot of encouraging signs, I thought, out of that game, be it some exceptional playmaking from Marcus Smart, especially late in the game. You know, Isaiah Thomas, Horford, Bradley, they're continuing to do what they do. Jay Crowder, he's getting healthier. But, uh Ryan, I've got you here because you had a great article up on Celtics Hub about trade targets. Fittingly, biggest shopping uh, weekend of the year, not just in the NBA, because that's coming in a few uh, weeks, but for everybody. But you had this great article up on Celtics Hub, uh, ESPN's True Hoop blog. I really, I really want to talk about that. But before we sort of lead, get to that, I want to lead us in here, and I'll put you right on the spot. What do you think are Boston's needs on this uh, Thanksgiving weekend? I guess I don't have uh, uh, much... Uh insight on that beyond what I think everybody believes, which is that they need rebounding and could probably still use um, someone who can, can the sort of proverbial three and D wing defender um, who Brad Stevens actually trusts uh, would be a, a good bonus uh, on that front. Uh, but yeah, rebounding uh, seems to very much um, be, be where they, they might be looking for some bargain shopping um, on the black Friday sales. 
you know, your piece on Celtics Hub uh, earlier in the month, and I, I want to say it came out right after the Dallas game. Uh, I'm pretty sure somewhere around those lines. Like when, when Celtics Nation got a look <laughs> at Andrew Bogut clogging the paint for much of that game, pretty stymied the Celts' offense more so than any team we've seen this year, particularly through three quarters. And, and there was just this universal epiphany throughout the, the geography of the fan base of, oh, what about this guy? And, and you had him lead, batting leadoff in, in your piece. And so suffice to say, we're going to get into him. And we actually even already got a head start here on Celtics beat last week with Daniel LaRue. But, but Ryan, you had you know other names throughout the list, some even D-leaguers. And we're here with Ryan Bernardoni. Uh, many of those names aren't the usuals that fans beat on social media or other various internet communities like, oh, geez, I don't know, Ryan, Reddit. But, uh, you know, not the usual names. But before we get into the, the targets you laid out in your piece on Celtics Hub, you know, Boston's strategy as it pertains to their salary structure, you know you have it in your piece. But if you could just discuss a little for those listening who haven't read. Sure, yeah. Um, so the Celtics have a pretty – long-term history now um, since the the big nets trade of prizing uh, cap flexibility over a lot of other things and that obviously um, played out well last offseason getting Al Horford and still having the space to to pitch Kevin Durant and depending on how you feel about that coming coming close or not uh, but it's obvious that uh, they know that the team isn't good enough right now in order to really contend and that's ultimately what the goal is here is to win a title so um, it, it has has looked for a long time like they were trying to basically sign two major free agents. They've signed one. There's another opportunity to do this summer. Um, and so they've always sort of worked towards keeping cap space open. Now, since the draft, or starting at the draft, uh, they've been making moves that look like they are even more concerned with cap flexibility than they have been in the past. Every move has been sort of directed towards uh, keeping as much space open for next summer as possible, including things like drafting Yabusele in a, in a surprising, uh, you know, surprisingly high slot. Uh, and that pick sort of makes more sense if you look at some of the other things they've done, uh, declining uh, James Young's option and, and letting R.J. Hunter go. We, we know the story there, but sort of making moves that have all been about keeping future cap flexibility. Yabusele, right after the draft, said that he might stay out of the NBA for two years. So if your concern is keeping as much off the books as you can for – uh, 2017 summer, having missed out on on your second big star this year, uh, that gives you sort of an insight into how the front office uh, could be thinking. Now, obviously, if you can get Paul George, then you don't care about your future cap space. You make that trade. But when you're talking about the sort of uh, you know bargain bin free agents or Kenneth or Reed, uh, Trevor Booker yeah. types who are on the yeah, exactly. next year for you know eight plus million dollars. Go ahead. Yeah, and even guys below that who might be making three million dollars next year, like they declined. James Young's option and he's 21 years old and it's in part because they just probably don't think he's good enough. But, um, you know, teams don't do that unless, um, especially teams that have the cap flexibility that the Celtics have. But yeah, exactly that Fareed. A lot of people, they saw it. You, you know, you mentioned how after the Dallas game, everybody was saying, Oh, Andrew Bogut would look great. After the Denver game, there were a lot of people saying, Oh, Kenneth Fareed would look great. He, was he's a, this big time rebounder. Right. And, and that perfectly makes sense in the structure of how the team is now. But if you just sort of play it forward, you look at that and you say, if you if you trade for Kenneth Fareed, then it becomes, you're probably going to have to lose somebody, maybe Kenneth Fareed, if the, if, you know, even if you think it's unlikely, if Blake Griffin or Gordon Hayward or whoever you might uh, want to go after who's a max free agent next summer agrees, you then have to cut that salary. And it just looks like the team isn't interested in that. There are things that could change that calculus, new CBA, things like that. Once we know more sort of firm details, that could definitely change. But um, it just looks like, what they want is no money past this year. 
uh, in any sort of non-star move that they make. So that obviously, of course, ties perfectly into Andrew Bogut. He's one of the league leaders and rebounders. I believe he's on the uh, salary for $12 million this year. That said, he's a free agent to be this summer. Once again, pretty much after, I think Bill Simmons, God forbid, uh, put out a, a tweet right after the San Antonio game. Get Andrew Bogut here right now. You had in your piece on Celtics uh, Hub, while that may not make the most sense in terms of, once again, with a salary not just for Boston but for both teams, if you could, sir, once again sort of elaborate on that as to why trading for Andrew Bogut like this very second isn't going to work out. Well, it, it could. They could trade Amir Johnson uh, and, and bring Bogut back uh you know, for Amir Johnson. Now, there's a couple of problems there. One, obviously, the Mavs aren't going to trade Andrew Bogut for Amir Johnson because there are plenty of other teams out there oh, that would, would like Andrew Bogut. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. But, you know, there are other teams out there that would like Bogut, and that would offer more than that. So immediately you're saying, okay, uh, Dallas isn't any good. That's why they might be trading Bogut. So they're going to want some sort of draft assets or young players and like that. The Celtics have plenty of draft assets that they could throw at a rental like Bogut. Um, and you could say... Amir Johnson plus some sort of draft stuff for Bogut, and you could get it done uh, pretty, you know, pretty much immediately. Now, personally, I think that Amir, while he's struggled uh, at times this year, uh, has a lot more value to the Celtics than Tyler Zeller does. Zeller probably has more value to the Mavs than than Amir Johnson would because he has the extra year. It's eight million dollars next year. He's got it's non guaranteed. The, the Mavs would potentially pick that up. They've done really well with players sort of like him who just score off a pick and roll. Uh, but even if they didn't, having a contract for an extra year has more value to them. So um, it seems more likely to me that they would make a trade for someone like Bogut uh, either in January or even string it all the way out to the trade deadline. This, they're going to make the playoffs either way. Does it really matter if you're the fourth seed or the third seed? You know. Well, there's uh, also an, sorry to interrupt you, right, but, but there's also you want to get them maybe incorporated in your system a little earlier. There is certainly sure. that advantage. And, and the question there is: um, is getting him in a month earlier worth? the the risk of trading away one of the pieces that you might then want to trade in order to get a bigger star so if two days before the trade deadline you know pick your star player whatever whether or not you like boogie cousins or not if if they finally decide like all right this just isn't working we're going to blow it up at the trade deadline they decide a week before and you've already traded zeller away it becomes harder to make that matching work so you may string it out all the way to the deadline looking for those sorts of things but generally starting in the middle of january you can start looking and saying more likely a trade for Bogut would make a lot of sense, something like Tyler Zeller and some draft picks, uh, you know, not Nets picks, not good picks, but um, the kind of thing that the all those the, all those yeah. picks that we can't even reference like we forget. So they have like, yeah. they, like the Grizzlies 2009. There's so many other mitigating yeah. assets that they have that we can't ring off the top. It's all I almost kind of equated to like finding a $20 bill in one of your old pants <laughs> for laundry. Oh, we got there. We already, we, uh, but it almost sort of leaves me in. Isn't there not like pressure? Cause we're, you know, Rich Gotham, he's come on the show many times. I had Austin Ainge, uh, say, kind of said the same thing that you were talking about with Yabuselli about their strategy in the draft, that they almost picked Yabuselli and, and even Zizic just solely based on the fact that they can, keep him overseas and not have him out on the salary books. But, you know, Rich Gotham said that, you know, we've got to do something about all this extra draft collateral that we have. Is there not pressure on the Celtics to to not dump the assets but really make a move on this extracurricular stuff that they have? Uh, yeah, people always uh, sort of fear that. They always wonder, oh, how is this going to work? We have all these picks. They're going to end up burning them. They're going to go to waste. Uh, and they might. Um, but if you trade for a player or you just sort of move off, a, a you know, a pick – and then the player you get back is there for a couple of months and then is gone 
or they never get into the rotation, whatever it might be, then you've already sort of wasted it, right? You preemptively wasted it instead of waiting all the way to the draft and seeing what could play out and then wasting it then if you had to. Um, so waste is waste. They may have too many picks. The league has too many players right now, right? Every team has 15 players on the roster. There's plenty of players who aren't on rosters who five years ago would have been on a roster somewhere. Um, the new CBA may change some things if they add 16th and 17th roster spots. We'll see how that all plays out. We should know more, hopefully, in the pretty pretty near future. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, those picks may not turn into anything. They may not turn into anything even if they used them and had space on their roster. They're mid you know, late first round, early second round draft picks, like they don't play out that well all that often to begin with. Um, so it's better to use them on something, but you're not going to use it just for the sake of using it if that player doesn't fit into the larger structure of what the team is doing. Um, they can afford to spend them, though. They can afford to spend them on someone like Bogut, who is probably going to play, you know, 30 games for them and then the playoffs and then leave. Throw some other names at me because I know Andrew Bogut's name is going to come out basically after every single loss. And God forbid you give up a ton of offensive rebounds as they did on Friday with Spurs team that came into that game as the worst offensive rebounding team in the league. But you had that uh, piece on Celtics Hub. You had some very interesting names there. Like I said earlier, names that Celtics Nation aren't really like, oh, wow, this guy. Throw some intriguing uh, names at me and even the audience. Yeah, so I tried to work sort of uh, down the price scale, right? So Bogut's going to cost you a player and a, a pick or two, but you can move down and still get value from players who maybe don't have as big a name. A player who I've always liked is Jeff Withy, who plays for the Jazz not very often because the Jazz have, uh, when they're healthy at least, they have uh, quite a few big men. Um, he, People probably remember him most from when he played at Kansas forever. He was one of those guys who was just at Kansas for a long time. Uh, he's a really fantastic shot blocker, um, good rebounder, has zero offensive skills. But that's fine. If there's enough offensive skill on the team. You could play him because of his defense, because of Horford's defensive versatility. You could play him with Horford. You could play him at you know bench reunits with he's protecting the rim and Olenek is scoring. All those sorts of things they work out. Um, a little bit hard to find the exact trade uh, match for them, but he's not playing for them. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, he has good advanced stats, that kind of thing. Uh, if they if the Celtics could clear a roster spot, they could probably get him for just a draft pick and nothing else. He fits into the Celtics' remaining cap space. It would be an interesting pickup. Uh, another one, a younger player who I'd highlighted, uh, Rishon Holmes, who plays for the Sixers. Um, a good player. I mean, he's he's done good things. He's very athletic, good shot blocker, good rebounder. The problem there is, like with the Jazz, they have a lot of bigs, right? So they've got Embiid, they have Okafor, they at least still have Noel for the moment. So best case scenario, he's like their third center. So you look at what the Celtics have, they could use somebody with those skills. The Sixers have no young point guards. They have Ben Simmons, and they need somebody who can sort of defend point guards and play with Ben Simmons. If they're one of the teams that thought Demetrius Jackson was a first-round player, then maybe you could just work out a straight swap there, something, you know, Holmes for uh, for Jackson, and both teams sort of fill a need. So, you know, uh, a veteran player like Withy, who would be very cheap, a player like Holmes, a little bit younger, a little higher upside, uh, but both players in positions where the team's they don't really fit in with where the teams are going now that they're currently on. So, um, you know, reasonable targets for the team. Uh, you can even go down from there, look into the D-League. Uh, there's always guys in the D-League who are just sort of good, solid rebounders who don't bring much. But right? i got to jump in, Ryan. Uh, how, how much, though, do you think that taking a flyer, though, makes sense, particularly if this is a team that, that does need to kind of fill some, some deficiencies that they have and really would hope has to get a player that's going to help them in the playoffs, and that would almost surely be a veteran? Um, maybe. I mean, Holmes has I feel like you do that if you're a rebuilding team. Like you, like you take a shot on a few guys if you're rebuilding <laughs> and you have the extra roster I, space. 
Well, I may be the only person who thinks this, but I believe the Celtics are still a rebuilding team. Uh. Uh, I think that it's um, relatively likely that in 2018, the team is going a different direction and has basically said, hey, we couldn't work out that big acquisition we we wanted. Blake Griffin didn't leave the Clippers and none of the big players got traded or, or not to us and that the team ends up going the other direction. And and you see that in the sort of structure of the roster, right? They've got the veteran players and the very young players underneath. So um, it's not, you know, it's it's not necessarily the way things will go, but it's possible. But you can also look at what's on the team now. They signed Gerald Green sort of in that vein, and he's not playing at all. He's been terrible. Um, I'd rather have a 22-year-old who can play than a 31-year-old who could play five years ago but can't anymore. Uh, so as long as you find the right player and find the right role for them, then, you know, maybe it can work out. Uh, it's not perfect, but um, there's limited options uh, when you're talking about players in this sort of price range. Ryan Bernardoni, Celtics Hub, ESPN's True Hoop blog, covering Boston Celtics. Follow Ryan on Twitter at DangerCart. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us here on Celtics Beat. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, there he goes. Once again, Ryan Bernardoni of Celtics Hub. Reiterate my thanks to Ryan and to Keith for joining this show and also to everybody listening here on Thanksgiving weekend. Alluded to this last week, what we are most thankful for. And in the spirit, there's plenty of what we're thankful for, but in the spirit of Thanksgiving coupled with the Celtics theme of this show, Ryan McDonough. Oh, we cannot thank you enough here in Boston. No, not to throw salt in the room, especially for a local like yourself and, and but uh, you know all this talk and uh, analysis and articles and breakdowns, flowcharts, Venn diagrams, bar graphs on the Nets trade, how Danny fleece the Nets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, that is going to single-handedly rebuild the franchise. It's going to single-handedly rebuild this great Celtics organization. That's how Boston is going to get their star or stars. Ahem, uh, lest we not acknowledge, but acknowledge we must now, the Isaiah Thomas trade has now officially entered the pantheon of best trades in franchise history. There it is. You know, while the Nets trade has yet to yield the benefits for the organization, the Isaiah trade has and has done so the moment that he arrived that night in Los Angeles days after the trade deadline a few years ago. It, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's now officially one of the best trades in franchise history. And this, be it from a franchise that has established its place in the top of North American sports history by fleecing its competition in trades. Ed McCauley for Bill Russell, the draft rights to Bill Russell. Joe Barry Carroll for Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. Rick Roby for Dennis Johnson. Thank you very much. Oh, they also picked up a Garnett guy in a trade, too. And Ray Allen and... And Tiny Archibald and uh, Bill Walton and, and Paul Silas. Uh, you know, that's actually, that'll be a good show to do with, say, uh, Bob Ryan, Best Trades in Celtics History. That would be, have to be a full tr- show if you're going to get Bob involved in there. But, uh, you know, while Celtics Nation and, and many have extraordinary amounts of appreciation for Isaiah Thomas, it's like, can we say in some way that Nets trade and how great everyone and anticipating it and, and, and still is anticipating it to be? It, it's in a way overshadowed the Thompas acquisition. Like I said, just a downright heist of a young player who has now emerged into a superstar for absolute just squadouche. You know, the Celtics uh, last year, their PR department and, and the organization put out this big push towards the end of the year of 
end of the last season of Isaiah making an all-NBA team, which at this rate, uh, you know, is going to come this year. And and that's saying something in its own right, because as me and Danny LaRue discussed on last week's show, this is at a time when there's never been better a collection of guards in league history. But how about this? I was just thinking about this, you know, just a few minutes ago. There's not a player whom Isaiah himself reveres more, and he speaks about this constantly. His fondness for Allen Iverson. It was almost like he was an idol, which Iverson was an idol to many people my age, which Isaiah is. A Hall of Famer, and some would even say, I'm actually not one of those, but there are some who believe Allen Iverson, one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history. And the absolute highlight of Iverson's career, unquestionably, was his 2001 campaign. Led the Sixers to the NBA Finals, played a very competitive series against the juggernaut Lakers team when the Lakers had, didn't really play competitive games in that uh, playoffs. Iverson led the league in scoring. He was a league MVP. He, in that playoffs, he had like five 40-point games just right off the top of my head. It, it was a season that just defined the peak of his career, which was a, a shorter peak when you look back on it. But it really, it defined his legacy. And guess what? Statistically, Isaiah's season thus far here in 2016-17, it beats that hallowed 2001 campaign for Allen Iverson. Like, Across the board. AI himself, scoring champion on one. However, he led the league in minutes, playing 42 minutes per game that season. Isaiah's at 33 right now. Per 36 numbers, or per 100 possessions, Isaiah, he's got a beat. Scoring per 36, Isaiah 28.3 points per game. AI 26.7. Player efficiency rating, Isaiah 25.2. Iverson 24. True shooting percentage, Isaiah 58.3%. Iverson at 51.8 assists per 100 possessions. Isaiah 9.5. Iverson 5.8. AI does have a higher rebounding rate. He did collect more steals. But just across the board, Isaiah's going to beat everywhere. Free throw attempts, free throw percentage, three-point percentage, everything. And, and like I said, far and away, Allen Iverson's career season. I personally now, I'm not sure how good Isaiah will be in the years ahead. Fortunately, he's young enough. and God forbid he doesn't get hit by a bus. Uh, but, but this Isaiah Thomas you see right now is superior to a peak Allen Iverson, statistically and the eye test alone. He's more versatile. He's more efficient. He's got a wider variety of shots. He's just in a far superior, uh, far superior. He's got a superior offensive arsenal. He's, he's better three-point shooter by far. That we can say by far. But most importantly, in my eyes, he fits in just more seamlessly with the flow of the offense. I mean, so much of what Philadelphia did, not just in 01, but really the height of those Iverson teams. I mean, not only was it predicated so much on Allen Iverson isolations, but they built their entire team around him. This is not building the team around Isaiah Thomas. Philadelphia traded Larry Hughes for Tony Kukoc because AI never really worked with the guy that needed the ball in his hands. See, the Denver experiment with Carmelo, they surround him with these Tyrone Hills and Eric Snows and George Lynch's. Isaiah, we could play both on and off the ball. Just a much more versatile player, in my eyes, as a player and for team building. They're both equal liabilities on the defensive end. I mean, Iverson was better at playing the passing lanes and coming up with steals. He gambled a lot. I think that's something Isaiah should do a little more because, I mean, you know what? Why not? Uh, But overall, back to this comparison, I'll take Isaiah, and at the very least, at the absolute worst, he's neck and neck with his idol. So, uh, (laughs) one more time, thank you, Phoenix Suns. Uh, Even You don't like that part where you only paid him $6 million per season a couple summers ago. Nice little deal, huh? That's almost as good as three field meals and free shipping. BlueApron.com slash Celtics. Nice way to get a little plug in there. But damn. Uh, Anyways, okay, mailbag. Last week, I skipped it. Didn't have time. This week... So sorry, I'm, I'm not going to have time. So, hold the phone. So, 
does not mean I'm skipping it this week. We never will. If we can't get to it here on Celtic Speed, I'll take it to the Celtic Speed Facebook page. I'll put a video up. Yes, that is me. You will see me. I did a book review uh, last week. And so now I'll take the cues. Uh, if people are taking the time to listen and even more time to reach out, the absolute very, very least I can do, thankful on Thanksgiving, and as always, should get to this video uh, today. Probably I'll, I'll do this today. Uh, again, it will be on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CelticsBeat, facebook.com slash CelticsBeat. Message questions via Facebook or Twitter, at CLNS underscore LHR, even email. I, I got mostly tweets, though. I'll get to, I believe, one email. And my main man, Jimmy from Down Under, left a comment on the Facebook page regarding Andrew Bogut, who, of course, we just talked about with Ryan, so I got to get to that. One more time, Facebook.com slash CelticsBeat. I will be there. I got to wrap it up here for number 185. It's credit time. Music for this show was provided by Will Rock, Project R, Chuck Beats, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore B. I'm at CLNS underscore LHR. You can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Thank you to today's guests, Keith Smith of Real GM and Ryan Bernardoni of Celtics Hub. Also, our sponsors on the biggest shopping weekend of the year, Indochino mentioned Celtics at 85 Newberry Street for 15% off your pursuit. Movement watches, mbmtwatches.com slash Celtics Beat for 15% off your first watch with free shipping and free returns. And Audible, audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial period. Happy Thanksgiving to our audience, and thank you for making this show the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Justin Poulin, founder of the network, Nick Chelsea, and myself, the executive producer and host, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.